Hi, this is John Barber, and you're listening to TV Confidential. We have a few minutes to um, go over some headlines of note in the world of television and entertainment in general. This this past week, uh, as you may know, was the 50th anniversary of Newton Minow's uh, famous uh, speech, um, uh, which 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 gave us the words "vast wasteland" into the American lexicon. And as you, and as you can imagine, there has been uh, quite a bit of uh, commentary about it, including um, some pieces uh, by Newton Minow himself. And, 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 and as you may recall, our friend Stephen Battaglio, the, the author of David Seskind, A Televised Life, uh, had an opportunity to speak to Minow in the course of researching his book on uh, David Seskind. So uh, we thought we'd ask Stephen to, uh, to join us for a few minutes and talk a little bit about, uh, about the legacy of Newton Minow. And Stephen, it's good to have you on the program again. It's good to be back. It's it's interesting. There's there's one piece in in particular uh, written by Aaron Barnhart from the uh, Kansas City Star, who who I usually agree with as far as his take on television. But he said that the vast wasteland speech was a failure because Newton promised something that he couldn't deliver. I'm not sure I agree with that because as 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 you have pointed out. In not only in your Seskind book, but but another in, in other interviews that you've given, Minow changed the landscape by by bringing more choices in television. That is always a good thing. I think Newton Minow said what he thought had to be said. Uh, television had had gone into a very fallow period creatively by the time he was appointed to the FCC in 1961. In the 1950s, we had the golden age uh, of television, and I'm not going to tell you that all of it was golden, but a lot of it was really good because nobody knew what they were doing. Therefore, nobody could tell, could say no to you in terms of what to try. And that created a, a boundless freedom for writers who weren't writing for, for theater or movies, this was a, this was a new arena. Um, it was a new pipeline of material. So people like Patty Chayefsky, Tad Moselle, uh, Gore Vidal, Rod Serling were new voices who were heard and were, were giving an, uh, an interesting take on life in America. And, um, and it was very invigorating and it was very exciting. Uh, but business of television got bigger, uh, and uh, the availability of TV sets became more affordable, became wider, and suddenly it, it, TV was a real mass medium, and uh, in order to serve the masses and help sell products, advertisers became more timid about what they were wanted to put on. Also, Hollywood got involved. Uh, live TV ended pretty much in New York, uh, moved to the West Coast, and studios were making TV shows, and they were basically treated as B-movies in terms of actors, in terms of the content. There was a lot of crap on the air in, in, by 1961, uh, a lot more than there had been in the few years prior. And uh, I think Newton Minow was trying to say, wake up. You guys are, are prosperous businessmen. Uh, you're educated. Is this really what you want to put out there day in and day out? 
Um, and I think that was really his intent. I think it was to sort of throttle them a bit. And, uh, of course, they became scared because the government controlled licenses to TV stations. And when you hear the FCC make noise like this, you think that, well, he may shut off the, uh, the money printing press that we've had here. As you say, fear can be a very, very uh, good motivating factor. But it's interesting, Stephen, that you mentioned the word there was a lot of crap on television in 1961. Uh, as, as I said, there, there's been a lot written about the 50th anniversary of the vast wasteland speech over the last few weeks. One item, I'm not sure whether you, you saw this or not, but the Norman Horowitz, who was, and I believe he was an executive at uh, Screen Gems in 1961. Uh, as we, as, as our listeners may know, Screen Gems was the television department of Columbia Pictures. And Horowitz took exception to the comment "vast wasteland" and, and basically said, "There is, you know, there, there, there is nothing wrong with certain programs that are that that are designed purely to entertain." Now, granted, Horowitz was. He was not exactly an unbiased player in making that comment because he was basically defending his own company. But uh, he, he was saying in, in painting you know, television with a broad stroke, he suggested that Minow may have been overstepping his bounds. Well, you know, Newton Minow probably was overstepping his bounds. And if he had tried to enact any type of legislation or regulation uh, on content of programming, I doubt it would have even made it to the Supreme Court. It was if, if no one he he never did anything that could be legally challenged. Uh, so, but had he done that, um, there's no question that uh, on a First Amendment basis, uh, it would not have stood up. But uh, I, I did read that Horowitz piece, and and I think that you know he was saying, well, what Newton Minow didn't like was the stuff that was popular. And I think that type of thinking was uh, prevalent in television at the time, and that, uh, look, we're just giving people what they want. Well, that kind of becomes rationalization after the fact. Um, but this is basically what they're, this is basically all they're getting. So this is what they like. Um, and I think that what, uh, what uh, Newton Minow was trying to do, and I think what David Susskind was trying to do as well, was he just wanted there to be a place where you can go to see something that was a little more elevated than the typical detective show or shoot 'em up western or, um, or, Dumb sitcom. This was not a great age for situation comedy at all. A lot of things were, they were done on film with laugh tracks. I mean, you know, after I, I Love Lucy left the air, there really weren't really a lot of great uh, TV comedies from the late 50s, early 60s era. Um, and I think the proof of what that, that Minnow did some good came in the shows that went on the air after he made his speech. You found uh, Herb Brockens, The Defenders. Uh, David Susskind's East Side, West Side mm -hmm. uh, shows that really try to say something uh, and talk about the human condition more. Uh, the 11th Hour, Mr. Novak. I mean, these were all, all shows that sort of tried to sort of, they, they reached a little bit. They, uh, they, they went after issues and they tried to speak about what was going on in America. They weren't, what just wasn't a total fantasy factory, which is what, uh, what TV had become.
Right. And be mindful of the fact that, you know, you e- even though you are providing, quote unquote, entertainment program, you are using the the most powerful medium um, known at the time and still known today. And and, and, and I think if, if I understand Menno correctly, I, mean, I, I think he was trying to speak to, OK, be mindful. We have a responsibility to use this responsibly. Well, there had to be. And, and I think that needed to be said because the. the you know, in the scope of history, this will be—it'll be a very short time. But but this is what but this is what was happening. You had a population that was uh, that was was reached by television, were only provided a handful of voices. I mean, you know, there were there were three networks, and really, and really only two that absolutely reached every single home in America. Um, that gave them all tremendous power and tremendous influence. Um, it's different now. I mean, the average home has well over a hundred channels. You have the internet. I mean, there there is there is a wide array of information sources. Uh, and you know, if you don't like something, you could be out quick and find something else. Um, but in the early 1960s, it was very limited in what people had, were getting through television. And I think that uh, Minnow's warning that, uh, that you needed to diversify, you needed to give people, to try to give people a, a, a larger menu of things to select from, uh, was an important one. We are talking to Stephen Battaglio, author of David Susskind, A Televised Life, excellent biography of one of the forerunners of, of television, David Susskind, one of the people who certainly made television better in many senses of the word. You can order David Susskind, A Televised Life, by going to davidsuskindatelevisedlife.com. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Grasshopper, the virtual phone system designed for entrepreneurs. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential, trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential, and save $50 on your order. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.